you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth guys i have exciting news remember last week when i mentioned that i was launching a premium division of my podcast well it is ready to go For $3.99 a month, you can get access to all my past episodes, all 60-whatever of them. Additionally, I have bonus content back there. So right now, I have two bonus episodes that I'm launching, and I'm so excited to have this new venture because I'll be putting on there my design diaries, projects that I'm working on right now interviews that I have with other podcasters from topics ranging from how to be a small business to how to run a design firm. And I'm just really excited to have this opportunity to share even more with you, but also to make back a little bit of money because the the reason that I'm doing this premium content subscription thing is because each week I love bringing you design tips, design knowledge, but I've been going out of pocket all this time to pay my amazing producer, to pay for the equipment, and take time off work to make it happen. So in order to continue bringing you this content and to continue answering your design questions, I need to find a way to monetize. And by giving you extra content and additional access, I thought that would be the best way. Rather than taking on arbitrary sponsors or adding in a lot of commercials. So... Hopefully, you'll find a lot of value in this premium content that I'm sharing with you, and I'm really excited for it. So you can go to affordableinteriordesign.com, click on the podcast tab, and you can sign up right then and there. And the first 50 people who sign up get 50% off their year membership, just use promo code PREMIUM. So once again, guys, go to affordableinteriordesign.com and click on the podcast page and you'll be set. Thank you so much and let's launch in to today's episode. Just real quick, going back in time before I jump in, when I first started this podcast, I did not have a lot of traction. 
Uh, I was taking listener questions, but I wasn't really getting that many. And I would have to ask my husband, my mother-in-law, my mom, do you have any design questions for me? I asked my podcast producer one too many times to just come up with any question she might have. Well, it's been over a year, and luckily for me and for my podcast producer, it was just a short amount of time that I had to beg for these questions. Since that time, they have been rolling in at a fast and furious pace, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It gives me great topics, and it gives me great satisfaction to know that I'm answering your questions. That being said, as you know, for the past few weeks, we've been doing interviews and I haven't gotten to your questions and they have piled up. When you write in, I assure you that I'll answer within the month. And unfortunately, I am behind on some of these. So last week we went into the old mailbag. We're going back again, back again to the mailbag because I have about 20 more questions waiting for me. So guys, I'm Betsy Helmuth. This is Big Design Small Budget. Thank you for joining me. Back, back, back. Into the old mailbag. So we're going to kick it off with a question from Stephanie. Stephanie writes, Hi, Betsy. I love your podcast. I always look forward to Tuesdays after work when I know there will be a new episode waiting. I got this piece of art that I really fell for, and I'm thinking about how to design around it. I'm trying to follow your rule of designing around art that speaks to me, but I'm having trouble with where to start on this one because there's so many vibrant colors. I don't want to end up with a rainbow living room. Do you have any suggestions on where to start with colors without making the room look like a box of crayons? Thanks, Stephanie. So Stephanie sent in a picture, which is super helpful for me. And the picture that she sent really does look like a box of crayons. So Stephanie, I'm so glad that you chose this really bold piece of art because so many people are very bashful with their art and want only black and white or only photography. And that was not the case with your oil painting. Pretty much any color you can imagine was in this picture. It was just a splash of all these different colors. And I think it was a landscape with people walking around, but just the trees were every shade in the rainbow. The people were also every color you can imagine. And it was just a really fun, exciting piece. That being said, I could see where it might be a little bit paralyzing that there are so many amazing colors to choose from. So what I would recommend is I would recommend, of course, just pulling three. You know my 60-30-10 rule. You mentioned that rule that I designed around when picking my color palette. So I would choose three of those colors. Because you mentioned that you want it to feel soothing and that you want to have a restful living room, I would tend to pick two cool colors and only one warm color. Cool colors are the blues, the greens, the purples. Warm colors are the reds, the oranges, the yellows. Warm colors have connotations of activity and frenetic energy. And if you want to have a really relaxing living room, I'm thinking of focusing on those blues, those greens. You know I love my blue and then that teal color. So that would be a great 60-30. And then maybe the 10% are pops of that strong primary yellow splashed around the room. 
So I think this art piece would be a great piece. Just make sure that you place it prominently in the room so that when people walk in, they immediately know where you've derived your color palette. So hopefully that helps. And now let me move on to my next question from Crystal. Crystal writes, Hi Betsy, I love your podcast. Very informative. I've been given a dresser, chest of drawers, and rustic dining set. What type of paint is best for this furniture? Latex or oil? What primer is best? All are solid, heavy wood stained and polyurethaned. I know I have to sand the stain off, but do I prime them? I need very durable paint. Cost is not an issue since any brand of paint will cost less than replacing these items. It's some shade of light to medium teal for the dining set. Oh, Maybe she meant to say, I want some shade. And I want the dressers to look like Hollywood glam, like silvery gray tones. Thanks for your help. I'll be listening to your Facebook Live event. So guys, hopefully you're also listening to my Facebook Live event every Thursday at 4 o'clock, right on the button. Uh, This Thursday at 4 o'clock, I'm going to be on vacation, but I think I'm still going to do a Facebook Live event from like the beach or something. I just think that would be fun. Maybe I'll even find a cool little Rhode Island beach town shop and I can do something there with some home furnishings. I don't know. But uh, in the meanwhile, let me get to your question, Crystal. So I don't like painting furniture. And not because I don't like the labor, because I'm very artistic. And as many of you know, I started my career as a painter. Um, But... I think that painting furniture usually turns out pretty crappily, unless you're an expert who does this all the time. I feel the same way about painting cabinets. You really have to know what you're doing, and you really have to have a big open space to spread everything out. Otherwise, hair is going to fall in there. If you're drying these things outside, bits of nature and pollen, leaves, and I don't know what else is outside, is going to fall into your wet paint. I just think that you're really asking for trouble. Now, you already own these pieces and you obviously don't want to live with them like they are now. But instead of buying high quality paint, instead of Googling how many times you have to sand it and with what, I highly recommend either having it professionally done or buying pieces that have the look that you want. And I know that's not what you want to hear. But Hollywood Glam is all about pristine, perfect finishes that look very expensive. And I can't remember the last time I saw a piece of hand-painted DIY furniture and thought that it looked expensive, polished, and luxe. So, Crystal, I hope you're still a fan after that smackdown. I would love to sugarcoat the answer and tell you exactly what to use. But first of all, I wouldn't know because I think painting furniture is really tough. And second of all, I'm just worried for how this is going to turn out for you. So second guess your instinct to paint it yourself and maybe Google. There might be someone in your area who could paint it for you for a reasonable amount. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips 
things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com classes to get your bundle or your online class today. So my next question is from Michelle. She writes, when deciding on your 60-30-10 design from your inspiration piece, how do you choose which color is which percentage and what type of items would be included in them, especially if the walls remain white, i.e. linens, curtains, accent pieces, etc.? So Michelle is referring to that rule that I mentioned at the top of the episode where you take one inspiration piece, be it a rug, a piece of artwork, a pillow. In the um, circumstance above, it was Stephanie's piece of vibrant Crayola box art. So we take that piece and we only choose three colors. And from there, those are the accent pieces around the room. Anytime we want to bring in a pop of color, we choose from one of those three. But we use them in different doses. We use one color the most, 60%. Another color the second most at 30%, and the third color would just be small pops, a little 10% pop here and there of that last color. So how do I choose which color is which percentage? Well, if you're going to have wall paint that's not a neutral, for instance, if you're going to do yellow walls, green walls, blue walls, that's automatically your 60%. And you shouldn't stop there. You should add a couple more hints of blue or green or yellow, a couple more hints of that 60% around the room so it's not just your walls. But if it is a true color, Roy G. Biv color, then that wall paint would be your 60% determiner. If you have neutral wall paint, grays, whites, creams, then that doesn't count as a color and you can really choose whatever you like. So when I'm picking my 60-30-10, there's a couple of things that I ask myself. The first, when I'm looking at my inspiration piece, is what colors do I like the best? And then that kind of helps me decide. Second question I ask myself is what color will be really easy to shop for because you need to be finding the same tone of whatever color you choose. For instance, if I choose blue, it can't be navy blue, royal blue, powder blue. I have to stick all to one shade, all powder blue or all royal blue. So I happen to know from looking around a lot what colors are most easily found in stores. Navy is a classic. I know that the navy I find at JCPenney will easily work with the navy that I find at Sears will easily work with the navy from Crate and Barrel. So that's a home run for me. When my inspiration piece has navy, I'm definitely going to consider it as a 60 or 30%. But if it's a trickier color, like pink, which has lots of derivations from hot pink to pale pink, it's just really hard to get pinks right on the money because some of them are a little bit 
redder and some of them are a little bit purpley. Speaking of colors that are tough to use, purples are really tough for a 60-30 because a lot of them have different amounts of blue or different amounts of red. So some are very plummy while others feel even close to periwinkle and you really need to pick your shade and stick to it quite literally with these three tones you're picking. And so it can just be hard to shop for purple in general. So that's the next question I ask myself. What colors will be really easy to shop for? And I go through each color in my Styling Your Home class, which you can find on affordableinteriordesign.com. So affordableinteriordesign.com, go to the shop section and go to the classes. And in the styling class, I tell you about each and every color and which colors are most easily found at which stores. So when you're grabbing your 60-30-10s, you know which ones will be really easy to work with. Just a couple more to give you off the top of my head. Wheat yellow. So not a primary yellow, but that kind of weedy straw tone is really easy to work with. Sage green, really easy to work with. You can find it at lots of stores. Burgundy red. From home goods to home decorators to pottery barn, burgundy is just a really easy color. So hopefully that helps. Michelle, you have another question for me. You write, how do I create a comfortable industrial style with our current furniture that is 90% Ikea in black-brown in a company apartment that is rustic lodge that has white walls and naughty pine molding accents everywhere? Well, that's not easy. This is not an easy question, Michelle. So I would just consider the black-brown to be a neutral. I wouldn't even think of it as something that you need to match because it's not something that you're telling me you want more of. Comfortable industrial, when we're talking about industrial, we're talking about raw hewn. We're talking about things that don't look finished or polished. We're looking, talking about things that are in their organic state. So I really think that this naughty pine idea, this kind of rough, raw wood that barely even looks stained from the pictures that you sent me, will really align with your style of industrial. And then adding in the comfortable in terms of your two-word phrase, you know, just pile up some nubby throws in a chunky open weave basket that has kind of that rough hewn industrial look. So I would just ignore the Ikea in terms of not buying more of it or not putting it in your face and instead surround it with things that are industrial, like a chunky linen weave pillow, like a nice jute or sisal rug, like a coffee table made from wrought iron and seated glass. So I would just focus on your two-word phrase and let the Ikea thing go. Just don't add more, but also don't let it hold you back because I think the architecture of your space is really, like I was saying, in alignment with your vision. So keep going down that path. Comfortable industrial, I think, will work really well in here. And, you know, we all have a little Ikea. It's all right, Michelle. All right, my next note, speaking of Ikea, comes from Helena. So she wrote me with something that is a really good thing to remember and something I haven't brought up, but I want to. She writes, Hi Betsy, I hope you're surviving this heat. Since we don't have your Facebook Live event today, I didn't have a Facebook Live event a week ago because it was so oppressively hot and I was out with two clients 
and I would be happy to do it even when I'm out, but I had sweat pouring down my face and I was dehydrated. So instead, I spent those 15 minutes at Starbucks um, pulling myself together. I was not camera ready. Hear what I'm saying, folks? Anyway, she said that she used that time to listen to my IKEA episode and saved it for later so she can take notes. During the IKEA episode, I mentioned something about the mom dresser being one of my favorites. So she writes, Then I came across this article about the mom dresser. Maybe you already heard about it, but I don't remember hearing these updates on later episodes. So just an FYI. So as some of you probably know, the mom dresser from IKEA was recalled. They had some deaths, some instances of children climbing on the mom dresser or pulling the mom dresser over on top of themselves and then dying. And so they have recalled it. Um, If you go to the store, I think they'll give you your money back for the piece if you bring it in, but they'll definitely give you a wall mounting kit as well. So that way you can adhere it to the wall. Now these used to come with wall mounting kits and I will admit as an owner of two mom dressers, neither of mine are tethered to the wall like they should be. Luckily, my kids are old enough that now if the mom dressers that I own were to topple over on them, they would just get hurt, but not killed, hopefully. But for those of you who have kids that are under the age of three, four, it is a real concern. So now they no longer even sell the mom dresser. If you own one and you're as happy with it as I am and don't want to return it to the store or put it on the curb, I do highly recommend tethering it to the wall. In fact, I recommend tethering anything over four feet to the wall. Even if you don't have toddlers, like I don't have anymore, I've tethered bookcases, storage units, I mean earthquakes happen, stuff happens. So tether your stuff to the wall, adhere it, anchor it. I actually really love the kits that Ikea sells because they're quite incognito in terms of they tend to um, affix inside the furniture. It's not an exterior visual um, like the ones for the Besta fit inside the Besta and then adhere to your wall versus the ones you'll get at the hardware store which tend to affix outside with like a piece of thick grain ribbon or like an L-shaped bolt which I do have on some of my bookcases and is rather unsightly but like I said safety first so just bolt everything and Helena thank you so much for the reminder the mom dresser I'm gonna miss dearly and uh, hopefully they'll come up with a really great alternative. So let's move on to our next question. But before we do, I just want to remind you guys about that premium option. And like I said, I just launched it. So please go to affordableinteriordesign.com, click on the podcast page, and check out our new bonus content in addition to our archives. All right, so my next question comes from Marissa, and this is putting me in a beach mood. I am getting ready for my vacation tomorrow, and I can't wait to answer this question. She writes, hi, Betsy. I am so glad I found your podcast. I've been binge listening for two weeks, and I'm recently married and moved into a new two-bedroom apartment in Chicago. It has beautiful views of Lake Michigan from all the windows, which have inspired me to do a coastal theme throughout. I even painted the living room walls sea salt from Sherwin-Williams. I'll do Benjamin Moore next time after listening to your podcast. 
Colors are whites, grays, and navy blues with a little bit of turquoise. I had already purchased a lot of the large furniture prior to your podcast and was pleased to hear that a lot of your recommendations, i.e. mid-tone performance fabric for the sofa, I have followed. I shop mainly at Pottery Barn and Overstock. I'm a Club O member too. People, go join Club O. Also, join Ebates. Tell them I sent you. Um, But anyway, you write, I love everything about the Pottery Barn look and feel. My style intention for the home is traditional coastal sophisticated. Now, come on, Marissa. If you were really a fan, you would have narrowed that down to two words. Um, I try to emulate it with furniture I find on Overstock, which when I cannot justify the Pottery Barn prices. We do not currently have a pet, but will be on the market for a dog soon. After listening to your vendor podcast, you didn't mention Pottery Barn. I would love to know your feelings on Pottery Barn. What is crap versus what is gold there? I now finally am at the part where I'm ready to start adding artwork to finish my home, and I'm wondering if I should be looking at Pottery Barn or elsewhere. Secondly, what are your thoughts on what makes coastal chic sophisticated versus looking dated and kitschy? I'm really trying to avoid cheesy coastal decor and keeping it with large Prince of Coral sea glass, natural fiber rugs, white slipcover chairs, and natural aged wood. I want to make sure I'm steering clear of going overboard, pun intended, however. Thanks for your help, Marissa. Marissa, to answer your first question first, Pottery Barn. So I think Pottery Barn is 65% crap, 35% gold. I don't actually think that their stuff is bad quality. The reason that I think it's 65% crap is because I think almost all of their furniture is overpriced. There are very few items on Pottery Barn's furniture list that I think are reasonable and worth what they're asking. I do really like their accents. I love their drapes. I love their picture frames. I like their throws and pillows. There's a lot of things to love at Pottery Barn, and I like their artwork. I don't love it. Sometimes it is a little bit cheesetastic. I hate the word art, and they have a lot of it. Uh, They have some arbitrary photos. I think I like 50% of them. They have some nice oversized canvas pieces, but they're not originals. Mm, I don't know. Questionable. I've been getting more lackadaisical on that in my old age. I used to say you should absolutely never have a reproduction of a painting in your home. These days, I am getting a little bit softer and I don't necessarily feel that way, even though personally, I would never own one. So in terms of looking for art, I don't mind Pottery Barn. I would I would ask you to look at Grandin Road. I would ask you to look at Ballard Designs. Um, Chow, I really love their art. Ooh, you know who I'm loving these days for art? Z Gallery. They have a really huge selection, and I love how you can modify it and narrow down your selection by all these different factors, like colors, size. They give you size in terms of length and width. I love sorting through Z Gallery. I also have been liking some stuff I've been seeing at Pier 1 which surprises even me. And West Elm has had some good artwork lately too. None of these places is a home run besides maybe Z Gallery, which I've been feeling very home runny about lately. The others can be hit or miss, but they are my favorite places and my go-to places to look for art, especially art that's a little bit beach-tastic. 
So I do think that coastal decor can get cheesy really quickly. I'm just not into imagery of shells at all. And I'm really anti, even in a beach house, a beachy bathroom. I am so over beachy bathrooms, I can't even tell you. So if you're going to have a bathroom, fine to do it in blues, sea glass greens, grays, sandy tans, but please keep all boat imagery out of there. Um, I think you've got it right to more embody the feel with textures like that jute, like the white blousey slip covers. I think things that look dated and kitschy, I'm kind of over the coral. I'm over the coral in terms of the little pieces that are on the acrylic stands. I'm over the coral imagery. I'm much more into, um, well, just colors and textures. Like seersucker pillows would really rock my world. I can't think of any imagery that I don't think is cheesy. Well, you know what I don't think is cheesy? I think nautical maps are pretty awesome. Yeah, I do. You can't go wrong with a nautical map. But I'm not liking anchors. I'm not liking like metal mermaids. I don't really like boats. Ugh, the oars. Those are so overdone. Get it? Overdone. Okay, I forget it. Um, so I would just stick to colors and feels. And I understand maybe wanting to incorporate a little bit. But do ask yourself, is it sophisticated? I don't want you to be hitting people over the head with it, especially since this is Lake Michigan and not necessarily, well, let me just put it this way. I'd rather things that are intrinsic to Lake Michigan and not just any arbitrary beach. Like I don't want you to have pictures of lobsters. I don't want you to have pictures of crabs when that's really something that may not be native to this particular beach area. So Marissa, I hope that helped. And guys, I can't tell you how much I love reading your letters. Keep them coming, even though now I'm going to stagger them out to just a couple per episode because I have some big topics I want to get into in the coming weeks. I'm going to focus on color. I'm going to focus on pattern. I have a list of topics, including how to create the perfect Airbnb. So guys, until next Tuesday, wish me luck on the beach. I wish you guys a wonderful last few weeks of summer. Live it up. It is my favorite season and I am really mourning its passing. But I'm going to go out with a bang. I'm headed to Rhode Island. And I will catch you next week. Bye. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about.
A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.